Blog Talk Radio. race fans you know what time it is it's time for race chat live and mama bear is in the house and i'm in charge this evening so bear with me um our uh, caution flag chris creighton couldn't make it this evening but we've got taz taylor the tasmanian devil in the house we've got uh dj man mr craig moore in the house and we have Jared Hudson joining us as well this evening. Hi, everybody. Hey. How's it going? We got the fifth line in this weekend. Yahoo! <laughs> We're going to have some fun tonight. We got a lot of hot topics, and we all know what the main topic is going to be, but we'll get there eventually. So, uh, Let's start off with talking about, um, without talking about the big thing, let's uh, give a quick little recap about this weekend. How about it? Who watched the races this weekend? I got the cup. I didn't get to watch the trucks. I was too busy watching uh, Fonda Speedway with the Empire Super Sprints and... uh, a Fonda fiasco will be that will 
hopefully discuss later on, but uh, I heard I heard it, it was quite an entertaining race for I think some point in stage two or stage three where it was like three or four, four trucks battling for the lead. Um, I caught a little bit of the truck race, not all of it because of my work schedule, but um, one of my my big takeaways was um, how hot it was and Tony Breidinger from ARCA made her truck debut and in between the ARCA and the truck race, she had to go, go to the infield care center for fluids, IV fluids, because of how hot it was. And she did actually quite respectable. She had a, a she finished in 15th place. So good on her. I've been watching this girl for a while and uh, she's, uh, she's holding her own. I hate I I just, it because my my favorite Grand Am Hanger won the race. <clears throat> I just hope that Breidinger doesn't follow that doesn't get over her head like Vegan is. Right. Well, and and you know that that's a conversation we've had many times about you know how quickly these drivers are are pushed up through the ranks when they could you know use another year or two in the previous series and you know I've been I've followed ARCA very closely for a lot of years and I've seen it happen and you know yes it has happened to the female drivers but you know it's not only that it it, I don't think that it's a female thing because there, there have been plenty of other ARCA drivers that have been pushed up too soon guys that ended up being big nothing burgers as well. So I'm a big proponent of letting them develop where they are before you move them up. Yeah, there's uh, there's at least a lot of drivers that have moved up too quickly regardless. It doesn't have to be ARCA and the trucks. It be any series really. I mean... I feel Absolutely. like John Hunter Nemechek, I feel like John Hunter Nemechek was rushed to cup quickly. Um, right. and then I think I think he I think he realized that when he kind of stepped back and said, Whoa, wait a minute. If I wanna be successful in this uh in this career, then I need to look back at how can I where how can I set myself up? And he did it the right way. He go goes back to trucks for Kyle Busch Motorsports and time, I think like two years, was it? Maybe three. Mm-hmm. Um, and then look where he is now. He's sitting at Joe Gibbs Racing um, full time on the top contenders, probably championship favorite at this point. At least one of them anyways. Right. And if he plays his cards right, he could set himself up for a top ride at either Joe Gibbs or 2311. I would be leaning more towards Joe Gibbs, but 2311 is still an option. Right. I'm going to put him at Legacy Motor Club until I see what Toyota can, what they do over at Toyota next year. 
right. Yeah, that's that that's a loaded question right there. All right, so we know Grand End Finger won. Any other highlights from the truck race? Do you have the uh standing or the uh um the finishing ranks there, Taz? Miss, Miss Lee. Yes. I do want to shout out talking about the race uh the race uh, the truck race. Um, I do want to shout out to uh, Tony uh, Brendinger. I think that's how we say her last name. She has been on the 110 Nation Network a couple times. Uh, she debuted back with Venturini Motorsports. I believe she still runs with Venturini Motorsports and Arca Series. Um, we had her on, especially when I, I tried to look it up. I can't remember the uh, the uh, electric uh, vegan, I think she was a vegan driver, and Natalie Decker. They were the first uh, three females to be an all-female team out with track. Um, she did get her truck debut this weekend and the Victoria's Secrets truck finished 15th. Um, so I, I did want to shout out and congratulate her for uh, a great strong finish, um, especially when Haley Deegan can only muster up a top 12 and that is supposed to be the, the poster child of the female drivers. And uh, oh, I just wanted to point right. out Tony had a, a great race. And the vegan driver, wasn't that one of uh, Amber Balkan's themes at one point? No, it was uh, – her name started with an M. She was old, an older lady. I think she was our age or older. She did not look as old as she was. Uh, for the life of me, I cannot think of her name. It started with an M. Uh, we had her on a few times. Um, but I'll I cannot – uh, I'll have yeah. to go back and look that one up, Jason. That's funny. You're talking yeah, not, way remember. back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was Tony's debut. Um, Natalie, um, I think that might have been her rookie season, partial season, and I think she ran. I, I want to say it was Natalie. I believe it was those three females. We had all three of them on. Um, I remember the same night or the same week, we had all three of them on that week. Yep, I'll have I'll have to go digging back through the archives on that one. <laughs> You've got me intrigued. So yes, Miss Lee, I have the rundown of the truck race for you. Okay. Um, stage one, Rowdy Bush with the stage one win. Uh, stage two winner was Ty Majeski. And when it was all said and done, Grant Enfinger with the win, Corey Heim second, Zane Smith third, Stuart Friesen and Ross Chastain the five, uh, Nick Sanchez, Kyle Busch, Jake Garcia, Taylor Gray, and Tyler Ingram the top ten. All right, there you go. Anybody else got anything on the truck race? Yeah, how many truck races is um, Rowdy running this year? Um, I believe he only has one more. Oh yeah, wow. he can only do he can only do five, being he's a regular in a different series. Alright. I wasn't sure how many he had left. Yeah, I, I think I recall them saying that he has one more left and, and off the top of my head I can't tell you where where it's gonna be. Alright, well without talking about the incident Let's talk about the cup race. Denny Hamlin finally won, albeit in a 
not-so-kosher manner, which we're going to hit on in Hot Topics. But uh, how did everybody feel about the race? I thought it was pretty exciting. Were we in Kansas or in Chicagoland? Because it felt like that was, we would have seen something like that at Chicagoland. Right. Well, I liken I liken it to Kentucky because I've been to Kentucky, and I know Kansas is very similar to uh, the Kentucky layout. Um, I I don't know. I I like. I like that kind of racing. It's, you know, you don't, you kind of have the packs and the pushing, but you don't have the packs and the pushing like you do on the super speedways. You know, so there's more opportunities for passing. There's more opportunities to to make your way from the back to the front, like a couple drivers did. So... But, yeah, Chicago land, again, you know, a, a very similar track. Um, you're, you know, these are your, quote, unquote, cookie-cutter tracks. Yeah. So, I, you know, Kansas, I, thought it was, Kansas, I thought it was a good race. Yeah, Kansas has always been one of those um, normal mile-and-a-half tracks where, yeah, it provides – Good racing, but not one you would sit there and say, oh, this was one of the greatest races of the season. And that's where I came in and said, were we at Chicagoland? Because it felt like we were there with how great it was. I don't know if it was the car, the aero package, or they did something different to the track we don't know about, but wherever it was, it worked. Well, I think if they had done something different, to the track, they would have been all over that in commentary, and we would have seen it on we would have seen it on social media. Right? Yeah. No. It. And and if I if I recall correctly, I don't think there were any changes to the tire package either. They they brought they brought the tire from either last fall or last spring's race, which one I, I don't remember, but so that wasn't changed or changed much. I think the only package there that I remember they've changed in the next gen was the short track road course package. That's the only one I can remember that they changed. I don't know if they touched the mile and a half package or not. All right, so so what did what did we see in the race? You know, like I said, I you know, you you saw um, guys were able to make it from the back to the front. Um, you know, there were, was a lot of good passing. What did you guys see? I'll pass the torch to somebody else. Craig, Jerry. From what I saw from when I watched it before I went out fishing, um, I, I seen a lot of passing, which was which was something nice to see. I uh, wasn't a follow the leader boring, wasn't a follow the leader boring style race. 
I mean, yeah, there were some pit road incidents with tires and such, but, you know, apparently they're never going to get that under control. So, you know, but it was nice to see passing finally and, you know, where there hasn't been any, where there hasn't been much. Right. All right. Taz, so how about we, how how loose these cars were getting? How they were able to take the uh, the winds or, or um, get each other loose with a side draft? And that's and we saw that more than once. So we saw a lot of cars um, get to get get close enough to each other that they were pulling the. Uh, um, Causing each other to get loose, and it was it was crazy for me to see. Um, it just seemed like it, 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 the passing was great, and it was a lot. I, I think they said this was like the most lead changes or something. Um, I don't know if ever or what the what the stat was, but the, I mean it was definitely a lot of passing. But it just seems like everybody was kind of on pins and needles because at any given minute it seemed like the the rear end just came out from behind those cars and. Uh, um, it, it was it was crazy to see. I agree. I do like I do believe Toyota and JGR had sort of some sort of momentum from last week that they carried over because it did look like it was going to be JGR Toyota domination from start to finish, and then. Somewhere along the line, Toyota or maybe JGR in general uh, kind of fell apart somewhere at, towards late in the race. And the only one that obviously didn't fall apart and stay consistent was uh, Denny Hamlin. And, of course, coming in late in the race, which we didn't really expect probably, was Hendrick Motorsports, um, especially Kyle Larson. I mean, yeah, he got spun by another McDonald's 2311 car. I guess you can say shades from when him and uh, Bubba uh, kind of got into it. Now it was uh, now it was Reddick and Larson this time around. But either, I mean, Larson came back and was leading the race. And he where he made mistakes is where Hamlin capitalized. I pretty much thought it was towards the end it was Larson versus Hamlin. Oh, it absolutely was Larson versus Hamlin and and it's you know, like where did they both come from? All right, well Taz, you wanna give us the rundown on the cup race? Yeah, I got it. I had it pulled up at one point. Let me find out. There we go. Now we got it. All right, so stage one winner, Denny Hamlin. Stage two went to Joey Logano on a late caution. And Denny Hamlin with the win. Uh, Larson second, Byron third, Bubba fourth, Shastain the top five, Logano, Elliott, Truex, Reddick, and Austin Dillon the top ten. Wow, Austin Dillon top ten. Look at that. Who'd have thunk? 
All right. Well, our stat of the week comes from Adam Stern, as usual. And he says that NASCAR beat Formula One in total viewers on Sunday, while F1 beat NASCAR in the 18 to 49 demo, though NASCAR was on cable. NASCAR on Fox Sports One had a 1.35 rating and 2.352 million viewers. And in that coveted 18 to 49 demo had 439,000 viewers. Formula One, which was on ABC, including the pre-race, oops, where'd it go? There it is. Had a 0.9 rating and 1.646 million with 625,000 in the coveted 18 to 49 demos. And I just wanted to add in, into that that um, apparently some of the Formula One drivers were not pleased with the pre-race ceremonies at Miami, that um, they didn't quite get how it, it was done. So... There, I, I don't remember who the musical guest was, but they had written a song called Formula that was performed with the symphony, of all things, and then LL Cool J had to announce each driver. And I guess some of the, some of the drivers were just like, what is this? I don't know. It was a NASCAR-type driver introduction, I guess, and they just didn't get it. So there's that. All right, so we're going to move on to our hot topics of the day. And our first hot topic is actions hypocritical. Do we think about how Denny Hamlin won the race. I will open the floor. In my personal opinion, I thought it was a fair racing deal. Larson was dealing with a loose car. Hamlin was dealing with uh, a better handling car. Uh, Hamlin capitalized on Larson's slip-ups. And, I mean, really, if, if if Larson wasn't handling a loose car, I feel like it would have been Larson being better in one and two, Hamlin being better in three and four, and it was it would be cat and mouse between these two pretty much. Yes. And Hamlin said that podcast when it came down to the final laps, he knew where Hamlin knew where he was strong and where Larson would slip up. So Hamlin saw it as I'll make my move, but if Larson slips with a few laps left, I'll back off. And then as soon as they took the white flag, um, Hamlin knew that he had to do something to try to win the race because Hamlin wanted to race Larson clean. Um, 
and Hamlin said that once he had that run and Larson flipped up, he pretty much held his line, uh, gave as what Hamlin called a dragon breath to Larson's uh, left rear, and that was pretty much it. He said that he said that he didn't change anything with his line, didn't change anything um, with how he raced Larson. But I think I personally think it was a racing deal, and where I believe it was, I guess people can say it's controversial or conflicting. I think it's because a it's a Hendrick car, and b it's Larson. It's well, the guy, it's a guy Hamlin moved. I, I I didn't see Denny Hamlin doing no wrong on the deal because it was going hard for the race. I'm not a big Denny Hamlin fan. I can say he didn't wreck him on purpose. This can, and you can see where Larson was loose and bounced off the wall and bounced into Denny. But the fans booing Denny after, oh, my goodness, that was pretty bad. That shows you how much they, they think of him. And plus, they probably didn't see the perspective of it was a racing deal. They thought he did on purpose when he really didn't, you know. <clears throat> yeah, I, I I think that those of us who watched from home on television had that perspective that we could see that it was clearly a racing move and nothing more. I I don't think yeah. it was on, you know, anything. Um, I'm not gonna, it, it was on purpose, but it was taking advantage of the situation. It wasn't that he, like, tried to wreck him or anything. Right, and with with Larson being one of the most popular drivers, I can see why, you know, everybody was mad because they really wanted Larson to win. They said, oh, it's Denny, crybaby Hamlin going for the win again, yeah, you know, but. <clears throat> well, and, you know, and, and you have to keep in mind, too, that that is one of Denny's stronger tracks. So, you know, go figure. Yeah, because this I, is, is now fourth win, I think, at Kansas. I believe you're correct. I do agree with everybody. Um, I was also surprised with all the boos. I really thought with this new whole bracket thing, which I'm still not I, – I keep seeing y'all talk about it, and the whole – talking about what he did on a podcast, which people liked hearing what he said on the Dirty Mo, his his show on the Dirty Mo Network. I really thought that Hamlin's popularity had kind of changed for the better. I am not a Hamlin fan. You don't know how hard it was for me to root on Hamlin because I picked him in the pool as much as I don't like <laughs> Hamlin. Um, but um, I agree with you guys. I, I What I saw, and I've seen different groups and different chats and, and different comments and the people upset and, uh, well, he can't complain no more and he can't this and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, did y'all not see the same race that I that I sat there and watched? Like, Larson got loose, kind of bounced off the wall, came back down. Hamlin happened to be there. Hamlin was going for his move, you know, his last lap. Um, On the other side, how about that save? How about 
Larson basically being face first into that wall and managed to get second place. I will give all the credit in the world yes. to to Larson and his driving capabilities. As that was amazing to still finish exactly. second Absolutely. the way that car looked. Um, but I agree with everything you all have said. Um, I am as much as I do not like Hamlin, and I hated to cheer him on this weekend. Um, he got me first place points, and I, I saw no fault um, in what he did on that. On that pass. I mean, Larson's T U F F tough. That Chevrolet power, I mean he bounced off the wall like it was nothing to it and kept going. <laughs> That's all that dirt track racing experience. Amen. All right. I mean you well, can put you can put Larson on the go kart, he'd win. <laughs> absolutely. All right, well, let's move on to the big topic, the watermelon brawl, and who gained fans from it. So we all know what happened on track. We all know what happened after the race. So let's go. Let's talk about it. Dale Jr. said, NASCAR won today. My friends and I are still talking about it. Podcasts are literally writing themselves as we speak. I mean, if you want my personal opinion on the Ross Chastain fight, I think it was childish and stupid, and it it gives a black eye to racing. I know a lot of people love talking about stuff like that, getting involved in fights, and like, I know people that tell me all the time about dirt track races. Well, I, I only go to the dirt track race to watch a wreck or watch a fight. I mean, that just sounds so stupid to me. I don't like seeing people beat each other up or whatever. But sometimes, I mean, you've got to stand up for yourself. you gotta, you got to fight back. And I, I think they just he just had enough of Ross Chastain and what he was doing and stood up, stood up to the bully, I guess you'd say. And <clears throat> My take on this is that with how NASCAR has practically started out this year, um, it's, I mean, we've said it for the last number of weeks. We have bland personalities to the point that we don't really have storylines to talk about from the races, from the racing weekend. Uh, Not much really happens. I mean, there's, controversial moves and we sit here and say yeah this happened is what we thought about it and then like we don't hear any like aftermath on the subjects or and whatnot and last week um with the whole Ross Chastain move we're sitting here thinking that okay we're starting to see one driver shine you know kind of come out of the shell of this land NASCAR era we're, we're hitting on now. And then Gregson comes through and he literally says in an, in an interview, I said, somebody need to step up. Somebody had to confront him. And Gregson was the guy. And with Dale Jr. saying, uh, podcasts are writing themselves right now with stuff like this. I mean, 
I see what Jared's saying, but at the same time, with how bland this season pretty much has been in terms of driver personality and some of the storylines, it was kind of like, how can podcasts, you know, really have a podcast if you don't have much to really talk about? Look at us now. We have a the last couple of weeks. We got we got a we got some fists flying. We got some tempers flaring. It's stuff to talk about now. We got the drama. We are starting to see drivers come out of this um, this land show era we're getting now. If we can keep this up, we may see the, the newer generation of drivers come out and we could see conversations like the whole Jeff Gordon um the Jeff Gordon deal of versus Clint Boyer, uh, Logano versus Kenseth, you know, crap like that. I I agree, and I was going I was going to bring up the Clint Boyer and Jeff Gordon thing. One, and I can understand to a point about the whole childish thing, but you you got to remember what the first race televised. There was a race or a wreck, and they fought right there, and that kind of. Kind of opened the whole world and that, or the, the whole world of NASCAR. The fans like, oh my God, there they are fighting right there. Um, so that, that this is kind of how it all begun when it came to at least the tier TV viewership of it. Um, I, I remember sitting there watching Clint Boyer walk all the way down into the infield to go confront uh, um, Jeff Gordon, and, and I can remember it seemed like it was a WWE entry entry walk, you know, <laughs> all the way across. Um, I was there when, um, was it Kenseth that came behind, or not Kenseth, I'm sorry, Harvick came behind, kind of pushed somebody, which caused the whole yes. fight down in Pitt Road. I was there for that. That was crazy. Um, I, I've gotten to see with the, the whole media stuff, I've gotten to see a lot of things. Um, and, and so that was that was one of the highlights of my life. Um, and, and crazy side note, one of the, the, the best interviews, the best times I've ever had, as much as you all know, I do not like Dale Jr. at all. When he won Martinsville, and I got to see in the media center, and he finally got that grandfather clock. I tell you what, that was the by far the best time in the media center I've ever had. Um, it was a riot. But anyway, back to the subject at hand. Um, I liked it. Um, I, I like a little. I like it because they did it off the track. We've watched, and I'm a yes. Rowdy fan, we've watched Rowdy take it on the track. We've watched other drivers. Um, it seems like Noah did it as well, and we, and we watched Ken, not that I was totally objective to what Kenza did to uh, uh, Kenza did to Joey Logano because um, I'm not a Legato fan. But it, you know, there's too many factors. There's too many safety things. So I, I would rather see this, and it, it's just two grown men fighting versus them using the cars and the safety and everything else. Um, yeah. But I, I like it. I, I, I like the opportunity for them. I was never a Stewart fan. Until he became an owner, and he got to run in his gun, run in his mouth on things, and call a NASCAR out, and getting in his fights, um, I I enjoy it, um, and I can understand that it can be considered childish, and I'm not I'm not discrediting that because on on the flip side it is childish, um, and, and maybe because I'm just a big kid at heart, I, I enjoy it, um, but yes, um, you know some of the, some of my greatest memories at the track, um, especially the media side media side of it because I got to be down there I, I've probably done 50 60 races counting all three series 
Um, I, I've awesome. gotten to see some great, awesome things, and that was, you know, being part of that um, when, when the, uh, Harvick did that, um, and, and amongst other things I've gotten to see. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I definitely enjoy them. And like I said, the more, the bigger factor is that the fact that they're doing it safely, um, you know, a punch is much yeah. better than deliberately running somebody into a wall or causing possible death or injury. So if yes. this is how we're going to settle the frustration, I will take that any day of the week. That is, that is so true. I, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly because it's better them do it off the track than do it on the track and tear things up, make things worse, get more expensive and and Noah Gregson, he's already known for that stuff, especially from the Xfinity series in previous years, getting involved in wrecks and fights. So it's nothing new for him. And mind but, you guys, the day before this race, Tony Stewart, or a couple days before the race, whatever, Tony Stewart was on um, uh, Kenny Wallace's YouTube channel, the Kenny Conversation. And he said, mm-hmm. and I quote, it's sad in our sport how vanilla and wimpy all these drivers are. They literally won't, won't con- confront each other at the track. They'll just sit there and wait till they get home and be on each other on Twitter where nobody has to face anybody. He's got a yep. point. We all sat here and thought of, um, guys like Ross Chastain or these Kyle Bushes or, or, um, that make these constant aggressive moves and you sit here and think, is somebody going to confront them or are we just going to have the same old story of, oh, yeah, the aggressive move happened, but that was pretty much, you know, about it. Nothing else happened. Rexon finally stepped up to the plate. He was the first one. And the funny part is, he's a rookie of the Cup Series this year. I mean, we've had veterans in the sport. Shoot, after the fight, Gregson was pulled away. Chase Elliott walked by. He goes, somebody had to do it. Right. (laughs) Why couldn't somebody else do it before? (laughs) Right. You know, and another thing that, that Tony brings up is that, you know, he grew up in a different era, and back in the day, the drivers would go to each other's coaches or whatever and confront them, and he said, and again, I quote, you handled it, and you did it eye to eye. You did it face to face. You did it as men. There you go. And the other part, too, with Tony Stewart is that he brings his own, when he brings his own player to um, SRX, look at last year. And he mentioned this in the Dale Jr. download when uh, when he was on as a guest for the podcast. I think it was last week or the week before. Um, they, they talked about how um, Stuart's, you know, responsibilities um, inside the series and uh, some of the things he's done uh, while the season is running and whatnot. And they mentioned him confronting Ernie Francis Jr. because they asked him, they asked Stuart, which driver has impressed you the most in the two years the series has been running? And he said, Ernie Francis. He goes, I never knew the kid, really, until Ray Everham brought his name up to me the first year. And I said, sure, cool, get him. And when 
Stewart said Ernie really impressed him and saw his driving style the first year. Um, he was really impressed, and he knew the kid was going places. And then when that South Boston race came in, and I guess according to Tony Stewart, Ernie Francis was, was driving like a, a clown, essentially. And Stewart, as we all referred to him at that time, Uncle Tony went up to Ernie and, you know, kind of grabbed his driver's suit and shoved him around. Uh, Stewart said, like, hey, I need to confront him because I'm he's a lot better of a driver than that. Somebody had to confront him. Otherwise, nothing was going to change. And I feel like some of these drivers need to just learn of confronting each other about certain situations. I mean, fist fights is another deal, but these drivers just need to, you know, stand their ground. And I'm not surprised that it was Noah Gregson of all people. And I'm trying to figure out why. I'm trying to figure out why in the Cup Series it's been taking this long for somebody to confront um, somebody of a wrongdoing. I don't know if it's because we got too many bland, bland vanilla drivers or what. But I'm glad we're starting to see some flavor. And you would expect that Ross would be the target of something like this just because of his aggressive driving. um, Oh, Kyle Petty had a a video on NASCAR.com where he talked about how um, he compared this incident to and Ross how to how everyone hated Logano when he first came in and you know the confrontations that that Joey got into and and if you look now yeah there are still people that really dislike Joey but he's really matured and become a respectable driver but you know he was young and brash back then which is kind of you know where Ross is at as well but i still think it, you know it it didn't get out of hand my favorite was Clint running through the garage going after I think that was Gordon that he went after you know yes. that was one of my yeah. favorites and but, him and Jeff you know, still joke yeah. about that exactly exactly and that yeah you know you got too many key and you know what I'm sorry I'm going to throw this out there but it's a reflection on society today you got too many keyboard warriors and not enough guys that are willing to go out there and stand up for for what they feel. And so, right. you know, I, in in that respect, I respect Noah for doing what he did. Um, Sometimes it takes him making punch in the mouth. 
I've always been a Gregson fan. I've watched him come up, uh, you know, I so that it doesn't change my opinion. And I'm glad that somebody finally had the ball, and yes, I will say that, to actually confront Ross. Jose, I think the the last decent confrontation I have seen, uh, I don't remember if it was COVID year or the year after. It was at Darlington. It was a confrontation of, I believe, Chase Elliott and Denny Hamlin. Um, or Chase, I remember Chase Elliott and a Toyota driver. I want to say it was Hamlin, but I could be wrong. Um, where Chase was pretty much uh, taken out and Chase stood outside the car, um, still on the track, and just uh, gave whatever took him out a nice little uh, a little birdie. Tell me it was number one. <laughs> I think that was the only like, decent confrontation we've had this la- before this one in the last few years. I remember, who was it? Robbie, um, uh, Michael Waltrip throwing his helmet at Robbie Gordon's car many years ago. <clears throat> I believe Tony Stewart done that too. That's yeah, yeah. I will never forget that. I remember. I think it was Michael Waltrip threw his helmet at Robbie Gordon's car one day, or maybe in Rose first, one of the two. But I saw that and I said, "Man." <laughs> <clears throat> But this is the type of, but this is the type of thing that Dale Jr. is literally uh, <clears throat> posted out on Twitter that Miss Lee, you know, read earlier. Things like this are helping podcasts write themselves. We've, as I said it earlier, we've sat here and said these incidents happen, and then what's the aftermath? Nothing, because it's just been bland and vanilla. Nothing's happened. Nobody confronts each other. There's no personalities <clears throat> in the sport. We get Ross Chastain to be to play like the aggressor, and we're all sitting here like, is somebody going to ever confront this guy, or are we just going to just let him go <clears throat> and just complain about it in interviews and uh, go on social media and say something? Well, eventually somebody's going to make you know, <laughs> shoot, Gregson was the first one to step up. I'm surprised it's a rookie, but I'm not surprised of who the driver is. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm just waiting for somebody to make Ross Chastain eat one of his watermelons because <laughs> he's, he's a rough driver. Yeah, that's a good I'm, one. <laughs> but, I mean, they go, look, he, he's going to grab that watermelon trying to celebrate, and somebody's going to throw that watermelon right down his throat. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean I think I think we I don't want to jump the gun yet but it's starting to make me think there's cracks in this vanilla bland shell we have in today's version of NASCAR I think we're starting to see the aggressiveness the confrontation the personality start to kind of creep up now and if we can get that a little bit more, I think I have good hopes for this younger gener this younger, I guess, current generation of NASCAR stars we got. Because once Kevin Harvick, once Kevin Harvick, Denny Hamlin, and Kyle Busch 
are done driving, who do we have for personality-wise? Exactly. And and who's and who's going to continue to be keyboard warriors and who's going to man up and do what needs to be done? You know, we we yep. all thought it might be Denny Hamlin, but he obviously, you know, decided to let it go. And and maybe rightfully so because you know, most of it happened last year. We did see some more this year, but you know, maybe he was giving Ross the benefit of the doubt. Or maybe, you know, he's looking out for his own reputation, whatever. But, you know, if you listen to his podcast, he doesn't care. But it was just it was an interesting situation and you know, do I want to see more fights? No, not necessarily. But do I want to see more personality from the drivers? Heck yeah. And then you have to look at it from a sponsor standpoint, too. How do they feel about this kind of stuff? <clears throat> well, but, you know what? And, and I'm going to refer back to Dale Jr.'s quote that NASCAR won because it gener the 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 punch generated excitement for NASCAR. Whether it gained Noah fans or Ross fans, either way, NASCAR probably gained fans from it. The best thing I found I found hilarious of this whole situation is that Ross lays a punch on Gregson and then later on goes to interview and says, we have a no-push policy at Trash House Racing. Oh, dude. I oh saw that. And I said, he, said, he said the big boss said, we have a no-push policy. <laughs> you throw a punch and then you say, we have a no-push policy. Dude, you should have thought about your no-push policy before you laid the punch out. Oh, my God. <laughs> that, that was great. I was like, wow. When when he said that, I was like, what in the world, you idiot. <laughs> oh, no. I think you guys are totally misinterpreting that. When, what he, you mean? Said, I mean, we, when he said we have a no-push policy at Trackhouse, it was like, you don't push me, or I'm going to turn around and punch you. That's the way I well, took it. I took it as they have a no-push policy where they don't want them shoving and getting involved and stuff like that because then NASCAR is going to find them. That would be docked points. That's the way I took it. Yeah, right. I took it as – I get, I took it I as get like, that. I took it as um, – when it comes to confrontation, kind of like use your words, but don't get physical about it. And that's where I found it hilarious. He lays a punch and goes, oh, we have no push policy. What? <laughs> well, and I guess in his defense, he wasn't pushing. He was punching. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that's funny. All right. <laughs> well, I think we've beaten this dead horse. 
Kaz, <laughs> I want you to take the lead in this and talk about the Fonda fiasco. Oh, my Lord. So, um, this past Saturday, uh, actually, I should say this. So, Fonda Speedway has had two weeks of racing so far this year. Three, but Mother Nature had other plans last weekend. Or not this, not last weekend, I should say, as in, like, this past Saturday, but the weekend before. Um, so... In the four-cylinder division, and I can't believe I'm, we're talking about the four-cylinder division, the cheapest class possible. As Craig used to say, these guys used to run for, for a trophy. Now they're racing for $75 to win each week. But anyways, um, so the, for the last number of years since the four-cylinder class has come back on a weekly basis, um, in the Brett Dale Motorsports era, I should say. Um, the basically it has been a it was it was a Ken Hollenbeck show, and then his brother came in to race on a regular basis, so it basically became the Hollenbeck show. Um, I guess for years as many fans have said it, they have always been very rough and aggressive racers. Um, And as far as far as I am aware of, and I could be wrong, um, Brandon Ely, who is also a four-cylinder racer, he... he I believe he's going to be running Fonda full, full season this year. He's been there tw- uh, for both of the races for Fonda. And the first week, him and him and the Hollenbecks had a couple of run-ins. If you have not seen the top five moments on Flow Racing a couple of weeks ago on Flow or on uh, Flow Racing's YouTube channel, the number two moment was where Ken Hollenbeck got into Brandon Ely um, in the closing laps of the feature on opening night two weeks ago. And Ken Hollenbeck basically had to retire, pull his car into the pit lane, and Brandon Ely was essentially driving on three wheels because the, his left rear tire was holding on by not much at all um, so he was basically driving a three-wheel car. And then on the last lap, Kerry Hollenbeck bumped his rear, bumped uh, Brandon Ely's rear bumper and basically moved him out of the way to get the win on uh, on the final lap, in the final corner, I should say. Well, this past Saturday, Kerry Hollenbeck um, took out Brandon Ely and turned one and two on a restart. And Carrie's Hollenbeck's car went into the clay hill off of turn two. Brandon Neely followed suit, and Brandon Neely didn't get all of his money's worth because he climbed out of the car. And um, just like Gregson and Chastain, they threw some hands. And I think it was fight weekend this <laughs> for racing. 
Right. That's that's why I wanted to make sure we included the Fonda fiasco because that seemed to be the theme for the weekend. Yeah, it was, uh, and let me tell you the attention that not only the class itself, also the track and the drivers involved have had. Um, if y'all have not seen the Race Cat live page, I caught the clip of the incident plus the aftermath on the Race Cat live page. It has blown up essentially i think it's the most viewed video we have on our facebook page it's hitting it's over 5000 views and there's like 50 to 60 shares on this comments are still flying it's it's taken off <laughs> and i wouldn't be surprised if this moment ended up being another top 5 flow racing moment this week and we have to mention that fonda is Kaz's home track or one of your home tracks? Essentially, it is my home track, uh, the closest one to me. Um, There's a couple other tracks I also pay attention to. There's Glen Ridge Motorsports Park that's a little bit further down the road from Fonda. Uh, There's Utica Rome Speedway that is... um, probably about I want to say about 45 minutes maybe at most an hour away that is also under Brett Dale's um, promotion deal but speaking of Fonda um, and since we like talking about NASCAR uh, NASCAR Advanced Auto Parts Weekly Series um is now under the, well, I should say, Fonda and Utica Rome Speedways are now under the NASCAR Advanced Auto Parts Weekly Series sanction for 2023. And NASCAR plus uh, Advanced Auto Parts have this yearly tradition of they take a handful of these weekly home tracks and put them up for a $50,000 grant. I think they take like 15, 20 tracks that they have and they let people vote for like a month, month and a half, something like that. And then they narrow it down to the top five. And I think after the top five, they get the winner. Right now, Fonda Speedway announced this morning that they're in the, in the top five voting showdown to get this $50,000 grant. So, for those who would like to vote um, that are in the Northeast area that would like to get Fonda Speedway, that $50,000 grant, you can go to advancemytrack.com. You can vote three times uh, per day. So, I voted earlier today. I did my three votes for the day, and course have to wait i think like 24 hours or something like that to get another three votes in but i be, i don't remember when the cutoff date is for the top five but i know fonda there's one in uh canada that's in the running um i believe there's one track in alaska 
that's in the running, and there's two other ones that are in the running for a $50,000 grant to help improve uh, the facilities at the track. Got to support the local tracks, guys. A nice way to to work that in there, Taz. That was that was cool. Yeah. All right. So without local tracks, we got nothing. Absolutely. And of course, right, without so these local, of course, without these Go local ahead. tracks, we wouldn't be able to. We wouldn't have um, some of the big stars that we have, and it doesn't have even have to be NASCAR related either. We wouldn't have. Um, we wouldn't have some big series um, to name a few, like the uh, World of Outlaws, Empire Super Sprints that's big in uh, the North, Northeast region in Canada. You wouldn't have uh, Southern the Track Super Series. Yeah, the Short Track Super Series. You wouldn't have the Super Dirt Car Series that's big for the Big Block Modifieds. You wouldn't have... Uh, some of these, you know, Wheeland modified or late model drivers. I mean, shoot, Josh Berry was became a name of himself just by running late models. Bubba Pollard, same deal. Yep. I mean, Bubba Pollard's not through the NASCAR rankings now, but he's still a big name. And I was shocked to hear that Bubba right. Pollard turned down a NASCAR ride. Oh, I didn't hear that, Jared. Tell me more. Well, so from my understanding is that I may not be 100% correct on the story. You'll have to look it up. But from my understanding is that Bubba Pollard, like, he could have went to NASCAR, but he wanted to stay where he's at, racing the asphalt supers or whatever you call the class he's in. And that's why he's not in NASCAR. He's good enough he could run in NASCAR, but apparently he does not want to be in NASCAR in one of those series, from my understanding. Hmm. I'm surprised because he. I'm surprised because he ran with um, SRX <clears throat> and earned the opportunity to do that. Um, I'm trying to think last year when you, oh he had oh it was um Five Flags Speedway. Um, yes. When they had like twin when they had like the twin late model uh, features and the the driver with the best average finish of those two feature events got the SRX right and Bubba Pollard was the guy. Um, and see, that was uh, that was two years ago when I heard that. So he may have changed his mind since then, but but that's when I heard it. <clears throat> All right. Well, Cass, you touched on this earlier. Larson versus twenty three eleven. Can you expand on that a little bit? So. We all, if we all remember, which I'm sure we do, but for those listening that may not, um, last year, I don't remember which track it was. I know it definitely wasn't Kansas, but um, I know it was a cookie cutter track. Bubba and Larson, uh, had their confrontation that ended up getting Bubba suspended for at least one race. Um, they basically ruined Kyle Larson's day. And then 
with Reddick and Larson getting together at Kansas this past weekend, it it literally almost looked like uh, the same situation, except it looked like Reddick had better control of the car versus Bubba, and um, Larson had better control because Larson's day was clearly not done until the final lap. <clears throat> and it's starting to make me think, does 2311 have it out for Larson? That, that's what I was just going to ask. <laughs> <laughs> I don't well, know, with, with Larson being the top guy at Hendrick, you know, makes you wonder. I don't know. Well, of course, we'll have, I mean, we'll have to watch this one. Because, and the funny part is, is that Reddick and Bubba, when they both had their, um, when they both had their conflict and whatnot with Larson, check the sponsor. And if I remember right, Bubba had the same sponsor as Reddick this past weekend. It's McDonald's. I'm starting to think Larson has a McDonald's curse. <laughs> That is funny. And Larson used to be McDonald's at one point. But you know what? Exactly. So that that is one to definitely keep an eye on. That's an interesting line of thought. All right. Well, you picked a fine time to leave me loose wheel. Austin (laughs) Syndrome. Gets fined, loses two crew members over a lost wheel. And we've discussed this more than once. What is going on with these loose wheels? I think it's just a poor design. We've only got one lug nut, guys. We've only got one lug nut. What is the problem? Jared, hit on it. I, I think you're you're going somewhere. Yeah, I, I think it's a poor design. It's crap. It's it's probably comes from China. Uh, you know, instead of USA. I don't know, but I just I just think it's garbage. I mean they, they trying to be like F one in IndyCar. Well if they can do it, we can do it. I I, I was a fan of the, the five lug nuts myself, but Whatever, I'm not in charge. So. <clears throat> the the poor design, yes, and I don't know if it's because they did something different on uh, they did like a different design on these next gen cars, or or these crews are just not quite getting it. Something's not something's not hitting because. It seems like an F1 and IndyCar, they have, like, little to no problems with this deal. Literally. That's right. Right. And NASCAR brings it into these next-gen cars, and we're having problems almost every week, and we're going on the second season of this damn thing. Right. So, let, and, let, me, let me ask this, you know, like like what Taz is saying with the, the, the one lug nut thing. See, I used to get excited about the NASCAR pit competitions to see who changed the wheels and tires the fastest. How does that work out with this one lug nut? I'm not crazy about that. 
Well, you got to right. have good concentration on this because I do remember um, when Larry Mack did like a breakdown of this. There's there's like a pin in this slug nut or whatever, or somewhere in the wheel hub that locks this wheel in. And if you and when crew when tire changers um, when tire changers are putting the tires back on, they have to find that pin so it locks into the wheel. And it's like you got to have that focus. Is F1 and IndyCar use that same deal? If, well, I'm starting to think that we have two different designs now. That's an interesting question, Kaz, because on on top of the lug nut issue, you also have the the tires that. Um, I don't I don't know how to explain it, but the ones that come loose after the lug nut's been secured, and they're talking about how something in that system shears them off, shears the rims. So, you know, there's definitely a design issue involved, yeah. in my opinion. I would love to have, like, a uh, technical expert, one of these people that works in one of these race teams that builds these or whatever, talk about it and hear, hear what they, their thought process is. Right. Engineers, that's a very good point whoever. Yeah. Because that I want to know, what, I wanna know what they think, you know, because, I mean, obviously it's crap because it don't work. It's like... It's like dollar store parts they're putting on expensive race cars. Right. Yeah. 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 There's there's something, and and again, this is an issue that comes up almost weekly. So obviously there's something wrong there. What, you know, what needs to be done to fix it? And then what if a driver gets hurt because of this? Then what they're going to do? NASCAR right. needs to stop being on the champagne taste of a, on a beer budget. That's right. Right. That's right. Exactly. Oh, which is which leads us to a good tweet when uh, Chris shared the menu from the Formula One race. Oh gosh, how about passed out? That was. Whew. Yeah, like each course was like a couple hundred dollars. I'm like, um, they're obviously not eating Martinsville nat, uh, hot dogs. Oh, it shows her they're catering to the people that's got lots and lots of money. <laughs> that's too funny. That's too funny. All right, so let's head on into our black flag checker flag segment starting off with Josh Berry signing with KHI good thing bad thing thoughts so I will start this off I see this as a checker flag for Barry and this could be a huge this could lead to a huge checkered flag for Ford and possibly SHR. 
and this is going to be a giant black flag and could be giant black flag for Chevy and Junior as a whole. I've mentioned on this podcast a few times that Josh Berry is Dale Jr.'s guy. And either one of two things was going to happen. Hendrick needs to boot a driver, which I think for I think for injury purposes, he could be injury prone. Hendrick would have to let go of Alex Bowman. But if you let go of Alex Bowman, where does uh, where does Ally stand in in that deal? Because Ally was with Jimmy Johnson, and then after Johnson um, left NASCAR, Ally has been Bowman's right hand man in terms of sponsorship, and yep. and it's carried over into Bowman's sprint car uh, sprint car racing deal. So. As much as I want to see Bowman, see Barry move up into Hendrick, which in my eyes would mean Bowman needs to go somewhere else, which would either be JGR or SHR because those are top teams um, with top rides. They're going to be open within a year or two. Um, Bowman would best fit with SHR because he would have the flexibility of running NASCAR plus you know, running sprint cars. Because he wouldn't get that luxury with Joe Gibbs. We know that with Chris Chevrolet would want to keep him. Right. But and with Junior having Barry as his guy, if Hendrick doesn't open up, Junior may have to, you know, pull the plug somewhere and say, I'm just going to have to open up a cup ride so I can have Josh Barry in there. Mentioned at one point that he believes Josh Barry could go over to SHR and shoot a day later, it's Josh Berry pretty much signed to deal with KHI, which could potentially lead to Josh Berry going over from Chevy, Hendrick, and Junior Motorsports to over to Ford and SHR. And many people, including myself now, are starting to think with him going – Signing with KHI, could we see a possible connection of Josh Berry possibly signing with SHR and driving the four car next year? I don't want to jump to conclusions, but it's starting to make me think that could be a scenario in which why I gave the checker flag to Ford and SHR because they could possibly nab a top Xfinity driver at a perfect time. And I'm just going to throw this out there, and I I threw this out in the chat. Just because Josh signed with KHI is not an automatic move to Stuart Haas. KHI is a management team. They are going to work to get Josh sponsors, help him polish his public image, quote-unquote, and potentially help him with training and whatnot to 
ultimately get Josh the best package he can get, no matter where it's at. Now, yes, there is the possibility that could be at Stuart Haas. But if Hendrick decides to do something with Bowman, and that's where Josh wants to be, then KHI will negotiate that. So that's out there. And the deal with that, too, is that it makes it does make you wonder, when you put it that way, is Dale Jr. really setting up Josh Berry for success in the long run? If Josh Perry has to go down a different route, or does KHI offer something, or is Dale Jr. doing doing fine for Josh Perry, but KHI is offering Josh Barry, offering Barry something that maybe Dale Jr. won't offer or can't offer? Well, there's that. There is that. Well, you know, Dale's talked about wanting to, you know, start a cup team. So there's all that that plays into it, too. And that's something we haven't discussed among ourselves. So Wherever Josh Berry goes, he's talented. Along the same lines... And, and yes, Jared, you are absolutely right. Along the same lines, I wanted to bring up um, this article that I found. Motorsports Management International returns after 10-plus years hiatus. Fire Sports and Entertainment to Transition Driver Representation Unit with Ross Chastain joining as a founding member. So basically, what it boils down to, company used to or has had a uh, similar setup as, as KHI, but hasn't really been active. So Spire Motorsports, has bought this, I don't know, company, whatever, and is using their driver promotion program under this name. And Ross is now not only a part owner, but also one of their premier drivers. So, I'm wondering, you know, obviously these guys are positioning themselves for things beyond when they're able to drive. That's my take. So do we think that this new company is going to have anything over something like K 
K-H-I. Mind you, it's Spire Motorsports, but they've got Ross Chastain. You know, it's it's a management team. Where does Spire have Ross Chastain? Is it through the management team? Because I'm, this is, I don't, I don't remember Ross ever driving for Spire. This it, it part time ride. It it is through this management team, and I'm assuming that it 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 is related to his part time driving for them. It does make you wonder if Dale Jr. if he were to start a Cup team if he's got the money to do a cup charter team but maybe lacks sponsorship. I mean, really think about it. When you look at his Xfinity program, uh, Justin Allgaier, who is he basically sponsored by week in, week out? Brand professional agriculture. He Allgaier hardly has somebody else. If he does, it's a rare finding. Um, you look at last year when he had Noah Gregson. Gregson was pretty much sponsored each and every week by like Black Rifle Coffee. Um, Josh Barry this year is basically Tire Pros and Bass Pro Shops and Black Tire or or Black Rifle Coffee. You know, I mean, those are three good sponsor starters but I mean Bass Pro and Black Rifle pretty much went to Josh Berry because Gregson moved up and Brandon Jones brought Menards brought Menard sponsorship and whatever other sponsorship attachment he had from Gibbs over to Junior and Sam Mayer I think he only has like one or two main sponsors attached to him. So is the well, question so This is more about this is a this is another driver management team that is going to work to like K H I does, get driver sponsors get, you know, work their PR, work their media, you know, kind of like another, uh, a competition for KHI. You know, this is something that's behind the scenes that that we don't see much of or probably understand much of. So... I'm just, you know, throwing throwing it out there because this is a competition to KHI, which, you know, we just got done talking about. Do drivers need more of these types of companies to help them get sponsorship? Uh, work on their PR, their social media. You know, sponsorship is so hard to get. 
So but it plays a crucial part in the racing industry. Oh, absolutely. But do these management companies help the drivers to get sponsorship or do the grassroots appeals by the drivers themselves help more? You know, it's we got to remember that NASCAR is a business. And I think that anything that helps drivers to reach out and find sponsors is a good thing. Oh, definitely. And, yeah. and the weird, the weird part about this too is that um, when Chief Elliott got the Coca-Cola sponsorship, people thought he would lose sponsors. Like he used to be sponsored by Mountain Dew, which is a Pepsi product. And some people believe that Hooters could be leaving because Hooters um, somehow has attachment through through Pepsi and whatnot. And I don't think in the sense that one sponsor, I mean, unless it's like a, unless it's like Coke, Pepsi, you know, rivalry type deal, which I can understand, you know, the Pepsi branding leaving a driver and then Coke steps in pretty much. But you can't sit here and say, oh, Hooters is leaving because, you know, they're, they're backed by Pepsi, and now Coke's involved with Chief Elliott. No, that's not how that works. I just feel like, um, but but back to the subject. It does. I just sit here and think: Is Dale Jr. really setting up Josh Berry for a long-term success, or is Dale Jr. really trying? But Josh Berry needs a boost, and Jr. and Harvick are now going to be essentially working together, I don't know how that would fully work. And it may be like a backdoor deal where only they know about it, you know, where they are secretly working together. Right. All right. JGR. Back-to-back wins. Does this mean that they're regaining their front-runner status after yeah. a couple of dismiss, dismal results? Well, I think it's basically Joe Gibbs flexing his muscles and so, hey, y'all forgot about us, but we're still here. we still got some top-tier cars, and we're kicking butt and taking names, so here we are. <clears throat> Oh, I would definitely say they're starting to become front runner teams. <clears throat> you look at if you look at the point standings right now, take away how the playoffs would look, just regular points. Um, you look at the top five in points right now. Three of them are Toyotas. And all three of them are from Joe Gibbs. Ross Chastain's a point leader. Then it's Bell, Truex, Hamlin. And then there's Harvick. 
Hendrick, I think, could be right there with Joe Gibbs. And as I said a few weeks ago, I personally feel like where Hendrick could be right there with Joe Gibbs at this point in the game, I'm Hendrick is getting hurt by not only injuries, but also with penalties. They've got they got hit with that um I think it was the L two penalty or whatever that got overturned. And then a week after that got overturned, um the forty eight and twenty four teams got nailed with an L one penalty. In which they did not appeal for. And Joe Gibbs essentially is saying, All right, we We've been lacking somewhere. Now that Hendrick is getting hit with injuries and penalties, we got to capitalize. And I think they're capitalizing on the right moment, at the right time right now. And as mentioned before, yeah, we're seeing good results out of William Byron, but he's winning. His races that he keeps winning are through are within the first five or six races of the season. Or I personally feel like we're not seeing the William Byron in the last couple of weeks in terms of uh, race-winning contention that we've seen in the first five or six weeks of the season. And I'm starting to think that maybe, or it could be, that the veterans are starting to come back to life and shine through on these next-gen cars. Like Truex, Hamlin, they had poor seasons last year. Truex with no wins and missing out on the playoffs. Hamlin Hamlin got two or three wins last year. But in terms of points wise, he was horrible. Because he wasn't consistent. And this Truex's year, team has finally got to handle this new car. Well, you well you also have to look at the personal standpoint too. I believe whatever <clears> Truex <throat> was going through last year, not only in terms of the crew wise, but I'm starting to think person Truex's personal life. Something was, you know, giving him a block, holding him back. Then he won the LA Coliseum. So then he won the LA Coliseum. So it started making you think: Did what was whatever he was going through personally holding him back I, from shining? And I think one thing uh, was like his his girlfriend Sherry Pollock's left him, so that was one thing. And then you know, I'm glad he didn't retire because I'm a huge Truex fan. I'm not a Toyota fan, but I love Truex. And I think I, I'm so glad that he didn't retire. He come back and race, and he's won two races, and I know he's glad too. <clears throat> so I'm I'm kind of starting to think where Hendrick could be falling back a bit. Now is where JGR <laughs> is capitalizing, and I believe this is where I don't want to fully confident confidently say just yet. But I'm starting to think Joe Gibbs is right there in the mix of being the top team. I'm still, 
I'm still a little hesitant. I'm saying that they're the number one team. And this is nothing – and this is to no fault of Ty Gibbs, but I just – I personally feel like um, with him being a rookie this year, um, him probably still adjusting to the cup level and still trying to, you know – I guess mature a little bit is kind of where Gibbs is, you know, I guess being held back a a little bit. I wouldn't say a whole whole lot, but just just enough to kind of say they're not really the number one team. They're kind of there, but they're really not because there is a hole. And, again, I'm not saying this is Ty Gibbs' fault um, or there's a – there's a – Ty Gibbs is, you know, slacking – by any means. It's his rookie season, full-time. Yeah, he got races in last season because of the Kurt Busch um, injury concussion deal. But, I mean, this is where Ty Gibbs is fully committed to the Cup Series. I think that Next year might be Ty Gibbs' year. I am not a fan, um, but I, I've seen, I've watched him from Arca on up, and I've seen him mature, and. He's going to do okay this year. But I think next year is going to be the year to watch out for him. I mean, right now he currently sits 19th in points. Obviously, that's a ways away from his other three uh, GGR teammates. But he has four top tens so far. And he was running well at Kansas for quite a while this past weekend. So, I mean, there is a little bit of – I do think once he gets this whole year under the belt, as you said, Miss Lee, he's going to shine somewhere. Absolutely. All right. So – Next topic are the Tasmanians' hot picks for Darlington. You ready to go, Taz? Sure thing. And this was uh, this was interesting for me to kind of put to start the list. Um, reason I say that is because Darlington. I don't want to say because it is definitely not anywhere close Talladega or a Daytona. Um, It is a unique track of its own. And And what I mean by that is your usual front runners that you normally see week in and week out are not really your front runners 
and top guy for Darlington. This is kind of a, I guess you can say this is where the underdogs or your long shots kind of shine through. Um, when I, together, you'll see what I mean. So to start things off, as of right now, for favorites, I started at Denny Hamlin, Eric Jones, and Kevin Harvick. Contenders, I have listed as Austin Dillon, Christopher Bell, and William Byron. Underdogs, these three are normally underdogs on a weekly basis for the most part, um, but have had some good showings at this track. Justin Haley, Daniel Suarez, and Eric Almarola. Um, when I put the favorites together, I kind of looked at average finish versus numbers of wins. Um, Hamlin is no surprise. Um, his average right. finish is a seven. Denny Hamlin is a 7.5 average finish. Only one of two drivers that have an average finish of uh, actually three drivers have an average finish inside the top 10. Hamlin is one and he's close. Like I said, 7.5. He has four wins at this track uh, out of 21 Darlington starts, 12 top fives and 16 top tens. Um, He has led 792 of 7,325 laps he's completed. Um, Eric Jones, on the other hand, is the other one of the three drivers that have an average finish inside the top 10. Jones' average finish is a 10.7 in 10 Darlington races. He has two wins, five top fives, and seven top tens. So he's finishing in the top 10 70% 70% of the time, and he's finishing in the top five 50% of the time. That's a strong showing. And Kevin Harvick, on the other hand, while his average finish may be a 12.8, he is, he has three wins, right. 13 top fives, and 18 top tens, and 30 starts at Darlington. I threw Austin Dillon into the contenders list. He has a better, he may have a better average finish. Kevin Harvick does with a 12.3. So not really far off, but where threw me, what made me put him in the contenders list is that he has no wins, but he does have two top fives and five top tens. So he's, he's on, he's right there. And this, and this, this track looks like it could be a Austin Dillon type of track, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Christopher Bell um, may have a 16.3 average finish, but being that we're seeing Christopher Bell shine in his success, um, not only last year, but this year as well, um, you can't count out Christopher Bell, in my honest opinion. William Byron, the same deal. This is not one of his favorite tracks, but William Byron um, is a guy that has shown 
at times when we didn't expect it. I mean, shoot, I'm going to go back to Kansas. William Byron was not was not a top 10 driver for most of that race, and he finished third when it was all said and done. Um, underdogs, Justin Haley, Almarola, Suarez. Um, I don't really, I don't feel like I should explain those ones really. So the table is open for your guys to think of favorites, contenders, underdogs. Um, if you guys need some stats, I have that pulled up as well to make, to kind of help you out. Okay, Larson. Larson, favorite. Um, Larson. I'm not going any lower than contender, but I can't argue him as a favorite. Reason why he's the third final driver with an average finish inside the top ten. Now here's the funny part. Him and Denny Hamlin, average start, are the only two drivers that have an average start and an average finish inside the top ten. Larson mm. at Darlington, Larson at Darlington has ten wins, or not ten wins, ten races, zero wins, five top five, seven top tens. So Larson and Jones have the same amount of top fives and top tens. But Jones has those two has those two victories where Larson does not. Right. Gosh, I I have to put Larson as a contender. I could argue the favorite part. His wins may not be there, but he's on the he's right there. And we can't take away the fact he nearly won Darlington um the one year he got into it with Denny Hamlin. I believe it was. Right. When he tried pulling that video game-like move before Rock <laughs> Chastain pulled it off success- successfully. <laughs> All right. Yeah, Larson, what about, had, to, what, had to have as a favorite. Oh, Jared the tiebreaker coming in. All right. I'll, I'm, I'll, I, I'll, I ain't no big Larson fan, but, you know... <clears throat> I'll go. I'll go with Larson as a favorite. Because I mean, when you think about it, look, you could put Larson in a horse and buggy, and he's going to lap everybody. It's just that good. I may not be a huge fan of his, but he, he look, he can win a race backwards blindfolded, and I think twice better. <laughs> and Tony Stewart has said of himself, he Kyle Larson <clears throat> reminds Tony Stewart of when Stewart was in his prime. Uh, at that age, where you put, where when Stuart was or was around Larson's age, you put Stuart in a car, in any car, and he could put it up front and be contention for wins. That's right. Larson's doing the same thing. Larson's won in a sprint car. He's won in a midget. He's won in a modified, a late model NASCAR Cup car, truck. And he's going to the Indianapolis 500 next next season, right? Or is it this season? Uh, next, uh, next, next year. Okay, because I, I knew he was getting ready to do it, announced he was doing it. So. Cool. 
All right. What about Brad Keselowski? He's been doing um, really good. He's been surprising me. Yeah, he sits top. He sits tenth in points right now. Um, I want to put him on contenders. Some people could argue him as a favor, but I feel like he's more of a contender than a favorite. Um, in 18 Darlington races, he only had one win, five top fives, and nine top ten. So he's he's finishing half of his races in the top ten. Average finish of a 12.1. I'll probably be the odd man out, but I wish they would have kept Ryan Newman instead of replacing him with Brad. But I see why they put Brad in there because he's part owner of the team. But I'm just a big Newman fan. How about <clears throat> well, let's go like... with OK. And where do you where do you think Chris Busher lands? Ooh, Chris Bush is oh, very good. Oh, man. I want to put him an underdog because I don't want to leave him off the board. Yes. That's a good choice. Yeah, he's, you know, he's very those, talented. Cars, those cars have been stout. I mean, Busher only has two top tens at this track, but I... Like I said, I don't want to count him out. So it makes me I'm I'm feeling that Brad can go on the contender list and Busher go in the underdog category. I feel like though with I mean, yes, they're starting to shine through this season. But I feel like they're still trying to go through the growing pains. Right. All right. What about Kyle Bush. Ooh. Yeah, Kyle Bush. Uh, I, I, I'm going to pick him as, as a high-up favorite or whatever because Kyle Bush is very, very good. He's had a – I think he's doing phenomenal in the Chevrolets. I think he's a better driver in a Chevrolet than he was in Toyota. Uh, he's doing pretty good for himself. I like his move. <clears throat> I can sway the favor, the favorite, but if we're going to sway him as a favorite, there's got to be two other drivers to knock in that hat. Um, and that's Kevin Harvick and Martin Truex Jr. And I love we Kevin Harvick. When we put those three together, Truex in 21 Darlington races, Two wins, four top fives, ten top tens. Average finish, 12.4. Harvick, 30 races, uh, three wins, 13 top fives, 18 top tens, 12.8 average finish. Kyle Busch, 22 starts, one win, six top fives, 13 top tens, and 13.7 average finish. So... Hmm. um, if we're going to put Kyle Busch as a favorite, I I have to throw in Truex and Harvick as favorites too. Especially the momentum Truex is riding, I I can't I can't argue it. I can't argue putting Truex out of outside of the favorite. Right. 
but doesn't that give us too many favorites? It would put us over the six mark if we put all three in the favorites category. So I, I would take. Oh, I, I, my personal opinion, I take Kyle Busch out, put Kevin Harvick because Kevin Harvick's my dude. So. <clears throat> and if my memory serves me right, I do believe the first race back from <clears throat> the COVID year was at Darlington, and Kevin Harvick was the class of the field. Yeah, he's he's been around a long time. As, as my oldest brother, Mari, says, Kevin Harvick, uh, uh, as he put it, uh, I want the old guys to win. And so Kevin Harvick's among the older guys, so I like him. And Kevin Harvick is top five in points, so he's got consistency showing for him, too, this year. It's not like plus, last year where he was flacking and then won two races and then fell asleep. Exactly. And then plus, he's got an awesome sponsor, which is Hunt Brothers Pizza, which, by the way, I love to eat. <laughs> a name not mentioned. What about Reddick? Reddick, um, I, I could put in a contender's list. 11.1 average finish, seven starts, two top fives, and three top tens, yet to grab a race win, but he's only led 12 laps. I think I, I think Reddick was so much better in a Chevrolet than he is at 23-11. He was just a better driver, had more more wins, you know. Of course, he's still young, you know, at 23-11, but I just think that was a big mistake, him going to Denny Hamlin's team. <clears throat> I don't know. I, I don't know, because if Gibbs and Toyota play their cards right, I Personally, I feel like Tyler Reddick could be filling in either Denny Hamlin's ride or Truex's ride, along with John Hunter Nemechek. And if those two and the get talent is Gibbs, definitely there. If the if those two get into Joe Gibbs' equipment, I can easily see Joe Gibbs being a insane big threat with, especially with Ty Gibbs and Chris. When Ty Gibbs, you know, comes out of his shell. Um, and if Christopher Bell can keep his momentum going, that team's going to be highly dangerous. Oh, I agree. All right. Do we have any, any other drivers we didn't mention that should be mentioned? Um, if we want to throw in some underdogs, if we want to throw in some underdogs, because that's pretty much the list we haven't entirely filled out. Um, I mentioned his name before, Ty Gibbs. Uh, last season, got a top 15 finish. Um, I feel like his name should be thrown in there. And I think another so one that could I think another one that could possibly be thrown in there maybe be and I feel like he's a longer shot than Daniel Suarez in my opinion, but Bubba Wallace. I was just thinking that because look, he's been had I was about to say that. 
he's been having all these great finishes the past few weeks. And even though I ain't the biggest Bubba fan, because I think, well, anyways, so, uh, yeah, he's he's been doing pretty good here lately. <clears throat> I mean, yeah, what, what I, I, I can agree, and and Bubba the underdogs, he he has been, <clears throat> he has been racing well. I'll give him that, and I'm not a Bubba fan either. Or maybe Christopher Bale. We've got him as a contender, and he okay. can. And as I as I said earlier, Christopher. With the momentum Christopher Bell rode from last year to this year, it's showing. And I would not be surprised if he ends up getting a win here at Darlington. Yeah. Um, the only thing, in, like I said, Darlington has been known for guys that – Darlington is either a veteran's track or an underdog track. And it depends on how teams play it out. I mean, I'll go through the list again. Through the favorites, Denny Hamlin, Kevin Harvick. Oh, we have Harvick on there twice. How do, How in the world? <laughs> wow, we missed that part. Um, Denny Hamlin, Kevin Harvick, Martin Schrift Jr., all veteran drivers, essentially, right? With multiple wins. Um, Then we have, and then we have Eric Jones, who's who's a favorite at this track. And he's always either in the the contenders or mostly underdogs week in, week out. That's not a name that's always talked about on the contenders list. I threw Austin Dillon in there. He's always an underdog, never really a favorite, never really a contender. Yes. We put guys like, we put guys like Kyle Bush and Tyler Reddick and William Byron who are any other week for the most part this year are favorites. They're sitting on they're sitting on contenders. Darlington is one of the most unique tracks on the NASCAR <clears throat> Cup schedule. I'm excited about the throwback schemes, especially the throwback announcers they're bringing. This is going to be awesome. Yeah, it should be a fun weekend. And that brings us to time to wrap things up. Taz, you want to take us out? Sure thing. We want to thank everyone for listening along to Race Chat Live tonight here on Blog Talk Radio. If you ever miss us out, miss us live on Blog Talk Radio. You can catch us anywhere on your podcast, on any forms of podcasts, such as iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Freaker, RSS Feed, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, GeoSaven, Podcast Addict, Deezer, Podchaser, YouTube, and of course Blog Talk Radio itself. Thank you to our sponsors that make the One Ten Nation roll. Phoenix Fitness, Bear Bull Market Talk Group, Carolina Sports Plus, Yellow Caution Flag Productions, More to Music, Entertainment and Karaoke, TNT Designs, 
And of course, the fans is what makes us roll too. We give you the content, and you guys, uh, you guys just enjoy it and keep it coming. As we will try to keep bringing you some content week in, week out, even on a daily basis when we're not live. Um, also catch us on the 110 Nation website, which is the 110 Nation, uh, one, the 110 Nation Sports Radio Network.com. Um, you'll also catch our past episodes, um, regardless, regardless of its race chat live or the 110 Nation Sports Radio show that Jason and Mario uh, have on Wednesday nights, plus some blogs that Jason posts in terms of our NASCAR pool or any of their opinionated uh, type articles and stuff like that. Um, Other than that, we want to thank you, everyone, for listening along. We'll see you at the same bat time, same bat place next Tuesday night. Want to thank Jared for coming on uh, to help fill in for thank you guys. for Chris and Craig who we had Craig at one point and then we lost him and Chris um, had something going on and couldn't join us this week. But with that being said, this has been Race Chat Live here on Tuesday night. We'll see you same bad time, same bad place next Tuesday night. This has been the caution flag of racing radio. Chris Clayton, the DJ music man, Craig Moore, the mama bear of the 110 nation, Miss Lee Reed on the Tasmanian double flaggers, Taz Taylor. And of course the Southern boy himself, Jared Hudson. We'll see you. We'll see you next week. Good night, folks. Later, Tedder. Thanks everybody. Have a good night. Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for all your blessings. You said in all things, give thanks. So we want to thank you tonight for these mighty machines that you brought before us. Thank you for the Dodges and the Toyotas. Thank you for the Fords. And most of all, we thank you for Roush and Yates partnering to give us the power that we see before us tonight. Thank you for GM Performance Technology and the R07 engines. Thank you for Sunoco Racing Fuel and Goodyear tires that bring performance and power to the track. Lord, I want to thank you for my smoking hot wife tonight, Lisa, my two children, Eli and Emma, or as we like to call them, the little E's. Lord, I pray you bless the drivers and use them tonight. May they put on a performance worthy of this great track. In Jesus' name, boogity, 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 amen. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.